that thing is started. The thing has recorded that we do on Wednesdays. Yeah, that thing called, wait for it, da, 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 da. the Media Boat Podcast. I waited too long for it. Hey, hello, hey. welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is September the 25th, 2019. This is episode 194, I think. Yeah, you're good. Yep. Uh, and yeah, this is uh, the Media Boat Podcast. If you do not know what the Media Boat, Media Boat, wow. Media Boat. Media Boat Podcast is, uh, what it offers you. Uh, well, get ready, because we have news and thoughts about the newest movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. No, it's in that some order. Some order. It's in some order. It's close enough. Yeah, close enough. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of your hosts, and this is Mike sitting next to me, also one of your hosts. I'm Mike. He's Matt. That's true. We are the Media Podcast, and we have a lot to get through. We have a lot to get to. So, we're just going to hop right into it. We always start with movies, and we always start movies with the weekend box office, and man, were we wrong. Okay, so, <laughs> I'm not sure if we had this number one movie on our list last week. We did. We, we did. I remember bringing it up. Okay. Uh, but I also remember saying that I uh, thought it was going to be a more niche audience than turns out that it is. Uh, turns out... Now, is this... Least... I, I don't know if this is a part of the niche audience... Or the fact that nothing good was out. I think it was a combination of things. I think it was the fact that, yeah, nothing else was really uh, out of importance. And to kind of a weird time of year. Uh, summer's wrapped up. We are officially in fall as of this week. Uh, welcome to it. Hot welcome girl fall. summer is over. Welcome to whatever the hell. I don't know, podcast autumn. Podcast autumn? Yeah, it's called that. Uh, so the, yeah, the following like pumpkin spice lattes. The, the following, it's a different season, and so yeah, movies are slowing down uh-huh. because we're in that gap between summer blockbusters and award season. So yeah, it's gonna be weird. Sure. So sure enough, your number one movie is a weird one. Your number one movie is the Downton Abbey movie. What? Yes, with a thirty-one million dollar debut. I, I mean, we know sure. that came out, but. Apparently, $31 million worth of people wanted to see that this weekend. I imagine a lot of families and a lot of uh, couples and a lot of older uh, demographic than uh, probably you'd think. Probably than I'd think. Yeah. Um, also, this, because I guess it is the movies, it doesn't have the, it does not have the DVR value, where if you miss something, you just rewind it, rewatch it. Yeah. No, you gotta watch the whole thing again. So maybe yeah. that contributed. It also doesn't have the DDR value, which is there's no dance sequences uh, to the tune of Electro Bop. No, there's also no DDRM to prevent you from right. copywriting it. Yeah, we can keep going on this bit if you want, or <laughs> we can talk about the rest of the top five here. <laughs> number two coming in. Number two, your other your other de- de- debut, uh, Ad Astra. Uh, $19 million debut. No one wants to see Brad Pitt in space. Apparently not. Uh, underperformed, I think, probably for its budget. Uh, $90 million budget. So, yeah, I would Ooh, say underperformed. Ouch, yeah. 19 is not going to cut it. Number three, though, Rambo, Last Blood, your other debut last week. Uh, measly $18 million. I bet that budget Oof. also will not be met. Uh, no, probably not. No, but, probably not. Uh, I think we can safely say that is the last yes. blood. Yes, you won't see another Rambo with that number. No. 
number four, it chapter two, another seventeen million dollars, adding to one hundred seventy-eight. That's making money already. Well, at least there is a hit right That's there. But we knew that. Yeah, we already knew that. Yeah. And rounding out the top five, another. Um, I wouldn't call it a hit, but it's definitely a critical darling and an audience. Uh, I've heard nothing but positive things about this one. Uh, Hustlers, uh, with another $16 million, adding to another uh, add to a, a domestic total, wow, I can't talk, for, of uh, $62 million. Sir, are you saying we should check Hustlers out? I have had multiple people tell me that uh, to check Hustlers out. So we are should go you? see Jennifer Lopez on a stripper pole. Apparently. I mean, I'm not telling, I'm not saying that that is something I don't want to see. Uh, <laughs> that is a good <laughs> way saying. of putting that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that that's not something I wouldn't see. Uh, I mean, I may even pay to see that. Just saying. You you may have to pay an entrance pay, fee to pay. see that. <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> anyway, those are your top five movies. Uh, the one movie coming out this weekend, only one. Only one. Well, what is this? The end of September? It's uh, time to get the kids back to theaters because uh, DreamWorks is abominable. Is that DreamWorks? That is DreamWorks. Okay. A DreamWorks. Abominable. Abominable. The very big and cute snowman that also has magical powers. Yes. May or may not have magical powers. Uh, but yeah, it seems it's interesting because it's taking um, kind of the DreamWorks approach. Where it's like, oh, we got this big monster and it's a story about this big monster trying to fit in. But at the same time, it's also kind of Pixar-ish as it's also the story of this girl who is uh, very clearly an Asian Amer- in an Asian American family. And from what I understand, it's very culturally uh, poignant. I'm not sure if there is American in it. I think she is just. I don't know where it takes place. Yeah, I don't. I want to say it takes place uh, in China because we uh, go to the Himalayas. I don't know. I also noticed that this is a China co-production. Yes. So um, as most things are these days, Uh, but yeah. So you might be right. It might actually take place in a different country. I don't know. I've seen the trailer. The trailer didn't explicitly say where they were. No, but I have a feeling that, based on what I saw in the trailer, that it would be take place in China because they try to get the Abominable Snowman yeah. back to the Himalayas. Oh, uh, you might be right. So I think yeah. this easier way to do that would be to go from China to Nepal yeah. than from the U.S. <laughs> to Nepal. Fair enough, fair enough. Like I said, trailer didn't really say explicitly, but... Uh, but early uh, critical buzz, uh, people like it that thing. So, oh, okay. So it could be a it could be a good hit for uh, Dreamers, and they needed one for a while. So Maybe a surprise hit. Maybe. Seeing as this is where you're going to take your kids, and yeah, literally nothing Frozen else. Frozen Two doesn't come out for another two months, so yep. this will be the thing. Well, not only that, but you'll definitely take your kids next yeah, weekend. There's nothing else out. Well, no, the next weekend is the Joker, and you're not taking the yeah, kids you're not to that. Kids to Joker. No, you're going to drop your kids off at the Bomba while you go see Joker. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, those, that's your one new release uh, this week. So, before we move on to movie news, did you see any movies this week you want to talk about? No, but I should probably tell everyone, or show everyone that we are in the box office. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, no rush. Because we're not anymore, because that means we move on to news. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't watch any movies. I've either. yet to go to movies in a while. That's fine. Uh, I will probably go to the one next week because, as I mentioned, it is the Joker. But we're not on to next week I yet. I might see Abominable. I don't know. That might be something I, uh, my significant other and I might check out. Either that or Hustlers. We'll see. Uh, I might have a movie talked about next next week. Okay. All right. Because uh, so I know how much she likes Smallfoot. <laughs> I know. Another movie about Yetis. So we'll see. Yes. All right. Um, I think 
Apollo was supposed to come out at the same time, or it's yeah. like one of those because they did it, we're gonna do it type of movies. Yeah, but I don't. I think they're different enough. It seems like this is a way more uh, personal, emotional thing. Maybe, but if you have two films about yetis, do you think, oh, they're both yetis? Smallfoot wanted to be trolls, yes. whereas uh, Abominable wants to be Monsters, Inc. It wants to be Pixar. Right. Like, there's a clear goal difference there. <laughs> this is probably a better movie. Say that without having seen it and thinking uh, Smallfoot was fine, this looks better than Smallfoot. Okay. So, all right. Uh, that means we get to move on to movie news in our first story. Uh, well, it's a little bit of seasonally appropriate as we enter into fall, the spooky season. So, I found this story kind of interesting, yeah. but I also found it through a different story. Yeah, uh, so, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the franchise, a storied uh, horror movie franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Craven's estate, Wes Craven, the late director of uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street right. films... Uh, they've regained the U.S. rights to both the film franchise and the character of Freddy Krueger. Wait. Now, we both know that studios don't like to let those kind of properties go. Yeah. So, what happened? Well, it turns out you're utilizing a law here. A law that writers can reclaim ownership of their work after 35 years. Turns out 2019 marks 35 years after the first Elm Street was released. Oh. Yeah, fun. That's a fun fact. So Wes Craven's estate was, therefore, able to legally reclaim ownership of the original film this year, which was, of course, written and directed by Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Uh, there appears to be no third party standing in the way of Craven's estate for making the deal, so none of the studios care, apparently enough, to keep him from doing this. No current legal battle is being fought, allowing uh, Craven's estate control over the franchise uh, and its future here in the States. International rights, though, uh, Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema will still control those for now. Okay. Uh, but it seems like domestic rights, though, uh, Wes Craven's estate now calls the shots when it comes to making another Nightmare on Elm Street. See? Because that's interesting. I figured that they had some type of, like, you, you got to make a, like a Spider-Man deal where you have to make a film based on it within X amount of time. I'd imagine, though, they're probably looking at the numbers. Right. And the studios probably aren't even trying because they're like, no one's going to care. No well, one's going to see this There movie. was a Diamond on Elm Street six years ago? They've tried to remake it. Yeah, they've tried to re- redo it. do very well. And, like, I don't know. They probably feel like it just wasn't worth the, writ, the work uh, to actually go and try to keep the rights to the franchise that they weren't even going to do anything with. Hmm. That's my guess. All right. Well, but yeah, cool for West Craven's estate, though. Uh, it's good to have the, um, you know, the uh, people overseeing that as people who like trusted the original vision. Right, part of the original estate. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do decide to create a new film, like where they would go. Yeah, I don't know, and what studio they would have make it, etc. Blumhouse. Probably. <laughs> that was easy. All right, All right, moving on. We solved it for you. Either that or Legendary comes in with a buttload of money and says, Hey, yeah. here's some more money. Yeah. Dingle, dingle, dingle. Come back. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Our second story, though, speaking of Legendary. Jurassic World 3. Ooh. The that is That is happening. Jurassic World movie. Yes. Uh, that's happening. I think they signed... The original—they're doing a uh, Star Wars where they signed the original director back to it. 
Colin yeah. Trevorrow. Yeah, the original director, that is, the director yes. of Jurassic World, yes. the first film in the Jurassic World trilogy. Yeah, as I said, a Star Wars thing where, you know, yeah. like J.J. Abrams and explaining the right. joke. One without and one back on. Colin Trevorrow, the director, announced that Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum are all set to reprise their iconic roles in Jurassic World 3. Of course, their iconic roles from Jurassic Park, the original. Right. Now, Jeff Goldblum did have a cameo. Yeah, he had a cameo last time in uh, Fallen Kingdom. A movie that I'm surprised I liked. Uh, you liked it because it was a horror film. I liked it because it was different. It was different. And you didn't watch any of the previews. And I, no, I hadn't right. seen anything about it. I didn't know what it was going into it. I watched it on TV. And yeah, I was surprised with how that thing ends. And it's just like, it's not afraid. It was very uh, uh, Last Jedi-esque in its way, where it's mm-hmm. not afraid to completely just completely change everything about it. About right. the franchise. And doing yeah. so kind of did and didn't piss people off. Right, exactly. So, uh, Goldblum uh, did, as you mentioned, appear in a small role in Fallen Kingdom. Uh, Laura Dern, however, only returned to the franchise for a brief cameo in Jurassic Park 3 way back in 99, 20 years ago. Right. Remember that she was not in Jurassic Park 2, yeah. The Lost World. Uh, plot details for the That was the Vince Vaughn. Right. Ah. <laughs> plot details for Jurassic World 3 remain encased in amber. Ha ha ha. Is that your show? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but Trevorrow will direct and co-write the script with... Emily Carmichael, who was uh, credited as a writer on Pacific Rim Uprising. Hey! Uh, and the film will open July, or June 11th, 2021. So a couple more years until we get to see more dinos. Yeah, uh, that's 2021 or 2019, which means they will be shooting probably next starting next year. Yeah. It'll take about a year for VFX, yeah, but yeah, yeah, probably starting next year. Mm-hmm. So cool. they'll have the rest of this year to pump to finish a script, yeah. submit it, and then have it approved by January for a, I guess, February, March yeah. start shooting date. I am interested in seeing what they do with that uh, because, man... Uh, they literally opened everything up yeah, at the end can, of Yeah, June. I mean, I'm, don't, I want to spoil it so bad, but for people who haven't seen it, just, just know that something is different this time around. Yes, they put the world in Jurassic World. You could put, you could say that. I did say that. Spoiler. I did say that. All right, that's it for movie news. So uh, let's move on then into the world of television. Uh, The first thing we start. Real briefly, uh, I mentioned that I saw. Real briefly, one line. (laughs) Give me a break. Uh, I mentioned (laughs) that I noticed the Freddy Krueger story as part of something else. Okay. That being the current rights to the um, Jason. Right. Versus Freddy. Or, yeah, no, uh, Jason in, uh, not Friday the 13th. No, Friday, Friday the 13th. The 13th. Yes. Yeah, which because I noticed it on Friday the 13th when the story came oh, out, yeah. that the, currently those rights are in a legal battle of where they want to go with it. Right, okay. But then, like, I guess the reporters noticed that and decided to check in on the Nightmare on Elm Street and realized, oh, apparently they just took it back. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's currently a battle for uh, Friday the 13th rights. Sounds like a slow movie week. Oh, it kind of is. But I'm <laughs> glad it is because yeah. we're going to get into TV and who we're okay. going to get into TV. Well, let's get rolling into it. We always start television, though, with the Sports Corner Sports. All right. They are happening all over the place. And first up, 
We talked about it last week, but get hyped for the Roval because the Roval, the Roval is this weekend. Yep, in uh, Charlotte. this Sunday the Roval returns. That is of for NASCAR, revenge. Uh, that's NASCAR, and it is uh, a road course that is also an oval. Yes, that is how that is. <laughs> yes. That is made. Roval. Roval. So yeah, get ready. Uh, yep. Uh, other sports though happened. Uh, football. The New York Football Giants uh, and the Duke of Newark. Uh, This is kind of follow-up from last year. Yeah, I'll call up from last week. So, the Giants have started 0-2, and so everyone is calling for Eli Manning's head, or ass, or or bench, or whatever. Yeah. Um, They want to use that third-round pick that they got. Well, this past Sunday, um, Diamond Danny Dimes got the start. I'm not going to call him that. I'm calling him the Duke of Newark. <laughs> I've explained to you the joke yes, off podcast. Uh, but no, I'm calling him the Duke of Newark. He got the start. And he did pretty well. Especially since the other uh, top uh, player they got the previous draft, Saquon Barkley, is injured and out four to six weeks. So they're going to be leaning heavily on the rookie quarterback. Um, and I think this marks the fifth rookie quarterback to start this year. Jeez. In the NFL, fifth or sixth. But yeah, no, we're so they, the tides. They call a rebuilding year. The tides they are a changing in Apparently. the NFL. Except rebuilding year. Yeah. But uh, meanwhile, though, uh, hockey and basketball are just starting because their first games of the new season will be October 2nd. That is next Wednesday. We have new sports happening next Wednesday. Get ready. Get hyped. If you rather wrap up some old sports, then, uh, well, I got good news for people who live in the following uh, regions because it's time for baseball playoffs. We know. All right. Now, what teams... Are eligible now for the playoffs in the American League. We have the Yankees, the Astros, and uh, Minnesota. And Minnesota. And Minnesota. Do I just have Minnesota? Uh, yeah, you do. You don't have some what Minnesota is. <laughs> the Vikings. They're not the Vikings. <laughs> no, that should be Milwaukee. Yeah, you have Minnesota. Yeah. Milwaukee is very different. Wait, maybe it's not Minnesota. <laughs> anyway, uh, then you also have teams in uh, a parentheses. Oh, these are on the bubble teams. On the these bubble are these teams. are fighting for that uh, the playoff. Well, uh, on the bubble for yeah. the American League, the wild card spots are the A's, the Rays, and the Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, in the National League, uh, our own Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, the Atlanta Braves, uh, the Cardinals, the Nationals are the sure things, and then on the bubble there are the Brewers, the Cubs, and the Mets. Wait, no, that's Milwaukee Brewers. Look and I don't Milwaukee. know who you mean. Uh, by Minnesota. It, it auto-corrected to Minnesota, <laughs> and I don't know what it is. <laughs> Who knows? Who can say? Uh, feel free to complain to us at uh, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. If, uh, yeah, if, if you were offended by leaving your team out. Uh, but yeah, that's an interesting lineup there. Um, I'll be interested to see how far our own Dodgers go uh, in lieu of our own actual team uh, not earning their playoff spot this year. Severely not earning their <laughs> playoff spot. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, baseball will end officially this weekend and then the start of and then October. October 1st is when the MLB playoffs will begin because yeah. it's October. Cool. Yep, October. Happening. Sports everywhere. Yep. But uh, also happening though, 
And Television last, news proper. Lastly, in sports yes. news, um, Lionel Messi won the FIFA Player of the Year, if you still care about FIFA. But Messi <laughs> is considered the top player. I mean, he has been for years now. But he is still, he is back on top. All right. Also on top, though, were the people of primetime television. As this weekend on Sunday night, the this year's Emmys happened. The Emmy Awards. Um, as you know from what we talked about last week, there was uh, some other uh, non-televised Emmys that happened in the lead-up to this, but these were the proper Emmys for real. These were your big awards, and uh, man, what a weird-ass night. It was super weird. I did predictions, and you know how many out of 27 awards I got guessed correctly? 18. No, 10. 10? Just 10. Wow. It was awful. It was a massacre. Let me guess. Because of how many surprises there were. Let me guess. Was the big surprise that you was not on your radar... Also, the big winner of the night. Yes. Fleabag. Yes. Out of nowhere, swept the comedy nominations. Which, you know, when you say Fleabag, I don't think that's a comedy. I didn't even know what that was. (laughs) I knew what it was because of Twitter. Some people I follow on Twitter are very big fans. Um, I've heard that it's really funny. I've heard a lot about about Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. Mm -hmm. And specifically about the outfit she wears. (laughs) At least early on, there was like some sort of big thing. It's like, oh, the Fleabag jumpsuit. And everybody wanted the Fleabag jumpsuit. Hmm. So... Yeah, let's be clear. Neither, neither of us have seen an episode of Fleabag. So Appar- we want okay, to so here. Fleabag is on Amazon. Amazon. Amazon, yes. Yes. So yeah, it was their big uh, entry this uh, this year that wasn't the marvelous Miss Maisel, which I bet the farm on and lost because of it. Yep. So yeah, uh, so yeah, there were no hosts as you know, but it didn't stop the show from rolling. Uh, some interesting hits, as you mentioned, Fleabag won Best Comedy. Phoebe Waller-Bridge won Best Actress. Uh, also won Writer and Director prizes for the show. Her not for Director, but the show for Director. Mm-hmm. Uh, other weird surprises. The competition, uh, reality show competition Emmy. RuPaul's Drag Race upset classic winners such as The Voice and The Amazing Race. Right. Uh, RuPaul, I think this is the th- second or third consecutive year. It is one for Best Reality Competition. Yeah. I think this is the first time he's won for Best Host, though. Yeah. And there were uh, some more predictable winners, though. Uh, your uh, Chernobyl uh, as won, I swept ca- for a limited series, as, as, I as we knew it would. Yep. Um, Game of Thrones predictably won Best Drama in its last year of eligibility. However, that was yeah. one of two awards it won. Yeah. The other one being for Best Supporting Actor for... Um, Peter Dinklage. Yes. Yes. Uh, also classically wins. Um, Bill Hader won for Barry, as we expected. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of where the predictability ended again, because then we got a couple of other surprises. Right. With Billy Porter of FX's Pose winning Best Actor and, mm-hmm. and Jerry Harris. And standing ovation. Uh, winning for uh, supporting. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yep. some surprises uh, that we did not, at least from our talk last week, predict at all. No. Um, other surprises include, uh, um, just the amount of shows that, like, were on streaming service for this. Yeah. Uh. It was streaming almost all the way through, besides mm-hmm. the HBO wins. Um, so yeah, we're seeing a big change. However, Netflix conspicuously, uh, lacking wins here mm-hmm. all night. Uh, there was a joke I saw on The Onion, 
uh, on Twitter the uh, following morning that was like uh, the Im- images from the, the locker room speech after Netflix like <laughs> criticizes their season or something like that <laughs> with like a stock photo of, like, maybe, maybe this is why Netflix like canceled all their stuff because they're not going to win awards or maybe this is some sort of inside um, inside uh, baseball academy thing that's happening that maybe some maybe some brewing anti Netflix sentiment is happening as we move into the Disney Plus era. Right, which Could is funny. All sorts of things. Funny you mention that because the first commercial out of the Emmys was a Disney Plus yeah. ad. Mm-hmm. Hulu they, also conspicuously absent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Handmaid's Tale only nominated in one category and lost. Not even nominated for best drama. This year. Right, a previous winner. Uh, not nominated at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I don't know what's happening in the streaming world, but Amazon on the come up. Um, I'm really hoping it's not uh, Dollar Bills that uh, is uh, making this change happen in the Academy. I don't know. But on the cusp of Phoebe Waller-Bridge winning all those awards, she signed a multi-year deal to Amazon. Yeah. So she is locked in for the next five, six years. That's probably really intelligent because Amazon sees gold. I mean, Mm -hmm. they already saw, got a taste of it. That's Emmy gold. Uh, Uh, That's what I mean. Uh, like they already had it with Ms. Marvel and they thought or Ms. Marvel wow. yeah amazing Ms. Maisel Maisel whatever the hell that show is called I'm losing it Marvelous Ms. Maisel yes so, and now they're like oh no actually turns out that the short bed is Fleabag uh, so we'll see uh, yeah. interesting times for Amazon and interesting times for the Emmys because man this is completely resets the table for next year right but do also notice that the Marvelous Ms. Maisel and uh, Fleabag are both comedies. Right, yes. So is Amazon skewing to comedies, or are yeah. they getting that now? Because, as we have noted on the podcast, they're going to put all their drama eggs into the Lord of the Rings basket. And yeah, and I think that that's an interesting play now, especially with a, uh, a lack of Game of Thrones. There's going to be a vacant hole for drama next year. Uh, I don't know what the surefire winner is next year. Uh, it will be Ozark, seeing as Jason Bateman yeah, won also, for director. What the hell? Who watches Ozark and how is it winning? Because like, the supporting actress won as not, well. Not just who watches Ozark. Ozark is in its like, third or fourth season. Who watches and, Ozark? Yeah. Who is watching Ozark? I want to know. I don't know. There's your Netflix win. I guess that Jason was your Netflix ba- win. Jason Bateman. Yeah. yeah. Who seemed surprised as everyone else that he won at all. Well, let's be honest. When you have three game going up against three Game of Thrones directors, right, you don't think and you're gonna win. You don't think you're gonna win. But you know, when you also have the entire Emmys who's not gonna give that to the Game of Thrones guys. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, overall I thought the Emmys were a good show this year. Yeah. A lot of the surprises made it more watchable and also it was all killer no filler, uh, just right. like the hostless Oscars were. There was no time to do anything but give out awards right. and they after the intro they did not dally. Yep. Uh, but I did like that the three directors that Game of Thrones hired for the final season, yeah. all three got nominated. Yeah. Well, four technically D and B. It's true. Or D and D, but yeah. Anyway, that's it for the Emmy recap there. So uh, our other television story, though, uh, also about an Emmy winner, uh, Saturday Night Live uh, took home the uh, Emmy for uh, best variety. variety. Uh, and yeah, uh, it uh, yeah, some... variety sketch show. Right, See, variety sketch. You're right because they split right. sketch and talk. Yeah, it's variety Finally. talk is different. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, they've had a kind of a tumultuous uh, time. Besides that win, as the last month has been full of controversy and confusion. 
So basically, uh, this is your annual update about how uh, the, the, the cast is going. We already reported that Leslie Jones is out. We also reported that Kate McKinnon was back on. But uh, now we have news about new uh, cast members, or so we thought. So, uh, <laughs> as we noted last week, or maybe, um, SNL is returning this weekend. Yes. So, which means that this week they're writing and prepping sketches for host Woody Harrelson. Yes. Uh, yeah, and musical guests, uh, 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 Billy, Billy, Billy Eilish. Eilish. Billy Eilish. Anyway, uh, so what's happening here? Uh, your update here. Uh, Chris Redd and Heidi Gardner are making the leap to regular cast members from featured players. Yay. Uh, this sets the cast at 14 total. Uh, feature players, though, are still three, with last year's uh, Ego Nuodem uh, continuing to be a uh, featured player. That was a late season ad. Yes, as well as two newcomers. I say two. They were originally announced three. I'll get to that later. Two newcomers, Chloe Feynman and Bowen Yang. Uh, Bowen Yang, by the way, previously a writer for the show, uh, yes. now being uh, promoted to um, cast. And Chloe was a featured comedian at the uh, Laugh Fest and in San Francisco. Yeah. And one of the other ones in New York as well. So yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about them. I understand that uh, Chloe is a really great improv actor, mm-hmm. and I understand that Bowen Yang's written some of the better sketches in the last couple of years of the show, and uh, yep. it also uh, marks the first Asian-American uh, cast member. I was just about to take that. You took that away from me. Take that right away <laughs> from you. So, congratulations. Uh, not congratulations, however, to the third planned cast member who will no longer be a pl- cast member. Let's tell you a little story about Shane Gillis. So, Shane Gillis. Yes. He was originally announced as a featured player that would be joining the season as well. Mm-hmm. However, almost immediately after he was added to the cast, uh, internet uh, people started doing the internet thing and started digging started up previous uh, footage well, of, of his uh, performances. Yeah. But whereas when we've reported about this kind of thing happening before, sometimes they dig like 10 years in the past. No, not in this case. This time, they dug into performances that he did last year. Oh, they didn't even that earlier deep. this year. Oh, so they just barely scratched the surface. Yeah. So, so recent stuff that Shane Gillis has done uh, with him basically doing uh, completely racist caricatures and saying racial slurs. So, needless to say, internet got pissed and basically started being like, dude, no, this is not the guy. Like, we don't need him on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Well, uh, short, a couple, just a few days after this announcement, uh, the NBC announced that they would be uh, no longer pursuing Shane Gillis on the show. Um, After some um, uh, interviews and some um, extra digging was done, uh, the show confirmed that apparently they had considered Shane Gillis and chosen him specifically because they believed that it would help them with conservatives, appeal to the conservative audience. (laughs) How could that possibly backfire? Hmm. So yeah, um, the long story short here is that... They didn't do adequate digging about this dude. Or, or they, if did, they did. They, they didn't care. Ignore it. Were ready and were ready to do it anyway because they knew that there would be an audience built in for this guy. Mm-hmm. Because there probably is, as sad as it is. Right. Um, there is probably an audience for this guy. Yeah. But is that the audience you want tuning in? Or are yeah. you just trying to. 
play the LCD card here and yeah. say, see, we have comedians for everyone. And yeah, and that's the line I think that SNL has been walking the last couple decades now, mm-hmm. which is they just want to appeal to everybody, but as soon as you do that, the writing just just goes up in smoke. Mm-hmm. Like the last season, I stayed you stopped out. watching. I stopped watching because I was just like, no, I'm, I was just done because it's mm-hmm. just nothing they do is interesting anymore. Like they just fail. They fail to, like, do anything that I feel like is as progressive as they could have possibly been. But uh, this kind of sparked a whole internet debate about co- the state of comedy in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Twitter was a whole disaster for about a month. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, all you need to know is that the two people who earned the spot are going to be on the show, and it'll be really interesting to see if that uh, new talent affects. Sure not, and maybe makes a better season, but uh, probably not, because I can already imagine, especially after the news this week, that your opening uh, uh, sketch is still going to have frickin' uh, Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump impression, and it's still going to be boring. Probably. Probably. Unless they go with Keenan Thompson, because he is now the elderman there. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, this past Sunday during Sunday Night Football, yes. they were promoting, do a cross-promotion with SNL and Sunday Night Football. And Keenan Thompson was there doing one of his raps. I guess he does raps now. <laughs> since, okay. like, Chris Red and, yeah. like, Andy Sam Since Andy Samberg left and Chris Red came on. Yeah. That he's been doing more of those, like, rap right, right, skits. Yeah, rap video did, skits. He did a lot of that a couple seasons ago when I was still watching. Yeah. So I can't imagine. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, so he did one of those. But also in it, Melissa Villasenor. Okay, yeah. She was also a part of that sketch. And then I was also watching NBC, and they did one of the promos for the upcoming uh, show, the upcoming season, and Melissa Villasenor was, once again, one of the leads uh, in that. So I'm glad to see her. they're using her more and more I'm now that they realize how talented more. she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, that's the one thing that I heard about last season is that, yeah, it's like they definitely cranked up using her a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, towards the end. Towards the end. Good for her. Anyway, yep. let's move on, because that was a lot of talking about SNL. Uh, oh, we have you thought that was a lot. We have thoughts to talk about. You watched a lot of TV this week, because with the advent of fall, means the advent of the 2019-2020 television season. Da, 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 da. All right, first up, All right, let's so, start with the delicious, delicious food at MasterChef. I'm going to put a time on this and say we should only talk 30 minutes-ish All right, about this. All right, it's now, so watch the clock. Watch the clock. All right, MasterChef. Tell me about MasterChef season 10. Drink. Okay. Okay, no. Literally, they said this is season 10. So this is MasterChef season 10. So many times throughout the season, every time he said it, I said drink. <laughs> and if I was playing that drinking game, I would be so <laughs> wasted. But You might not be here. I may not be here right now. But they were promoting just the fact that it was season 10 constantly, which, you know, it's an anniversary show. Yeah, do that. Uh, but it does did feel like the producers got in the way of the chefs, especially at the end. Towards the end, was like, well, we want to make sure we have these specific people because they play well to yeah. the audience, and they can um, like, oh, we have this guy who we have these two guys. One's a college educated, one's kind of backwoods, but he grills good and he cooks well. Well, let's pick the young guys to replace the young demographic. We'll pick. The hot blonde, so she plays to the males, and then we'll pick <laughs> the black lady household because she plays to the other 
to everyone else. And it's like, <laughs> this is clearly demographically chosen for your demographic. It irked me the wrong way because, while yes, they were all strong cooks, I don't think two of them should have been there. Mm, yeah. And then two other people should have. But I think this was a producer call. I feel tainted while watching it, especially at the end. But other than that... I hate I, to feel tainted. I hate to feel that. Especially because <laughs> it happened right at the end where like, they're all doing well and there's like really little like technical stuff they to, to dink someone on. Like, hate but, to get dinked. Well, yeah. Like One of them <laughs> was uh, they cooked a uh, lamb, uh-huh. but one guy left the string off. <gasps> exactly. Automatic you can't fail. can't do that, right? right? Yeah, no, you should lose. No, that guy went on to the finale. Oh, my God. And yes, that's the exact... Uh, yeah, that's like an automatic fail. Like, no, you don't leave string on when you serve food. Yeah, don't put anything on the plate that you can't eat. Yep. That's a Gordon Ramsay rule. That's a Gordon Ramsay staple. That's rule number 13 for yeah, him. Yeah, or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's disappointing. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I was kind of miffed at the end of this season. Uh, but, you know, it's MasterChef, and the end of MasterChef means the beginning of Hell's Kitchen, because everything is cyclical. <laughs> Always, yes, cyclical. Always. All right. I'm gonna dial nine one one because that's the next show. Oh yes, nine one one. Last season, I got my doctor interested in the show uh, be- because it has a lot of the firefights and like medical instant stuff, yeah. medical stuff, which she found super interesting. Yeah. So yeah, nine one one returns. It is exactly the same thing. They haven't changed a whole lot, but they are dealing a little bit more. It seems with the firefighting unit than it was kind of spread out before. I do hope they do some of the what they did last season with the extended episodes. Not extended episodes, but extended arcs where they go to two episodes or three episodes. I thought that was a unique idea that they tried at the end of the season. And based off the previews uh, for what they have in store this season, it seems like they're going to go with that route. Um, they didn't bring in any new characters, unlike the end of, beginning of last season, where they brought in two new characters and ousted two of the old characters. But, having said that, I think they found a good cast that they can hold on to and really grow this show. Okay. I think they, at the end of the last season, they found their, they found the right chemistry of, of uh, actors and players. That, starting this third season, it's a, star, it's a strong start to season three, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Okay. But how about new show, Prodigal Son? Oh. God. <laughs> I've been seeing uh, billboards for this thing. Yes, uh, you will certainly not be seeing billboards for this thing. <laughs> Hopefully. You think this is a few episode wonder you got on your hand? Um, so, because Lucifer was canceled, right. they needed something... Or moved to Netflix. Or moved to Netflix or whatever. <laughs> they Fox needs needed something else uh, yeah. that is both dark and interesting to keep people to watch. So they went with Prodigal Son. Of all the shows pitched to them, they went with Prodigal Son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this stars um, this. Well, I don't know if it stars Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is, is in it, <laughs> but he's not the star. Uh-huh. But he kind of is. Okay. So Simon Pegg plays a serial killer. How fun! Uh, who has been locked up? Uh-huh. Uh, but. He's also a doctor of med- of uh, psychology and medical science. So even while he was locked up, he was still treating patients. It's kind of weird. Like, 
people still referred to him as their doctor. So they kind of like had this weird thing where he's still in jail. He's still locked up. Yeah. But he still can give advice <laughs> to people. Or Seems they're, like there should be a lot against that. Either that or they were like his, they were his old patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still has like files on them or something. Yeah. It was weird. And it was weirdly explained. <laughs> uh, but anyways, the show is not about him. The show is about his son, who is a uh, who worked past tense beca- uh, for the FBI as a profiler. Because within the first ten minutes, he gets fired from said FBI, and instead uh, now works with the NYPD as a profiler. Okay. In in finding um, serial killers and homicidal maniacs. Mm. But because he's a profiler, he got all that training from his dad when he went to visit his dad in jail and they would talk to him. He would talk to his son about like how he did stuff, what to look for in science. It basically kind of groomed him to not be a serial killer, but to think like a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And one of the lines is, like, they asked what he was doing. He's like, he's getting to the mind of the serial killer. He's like, oh, so you're just going to, like, flat out say it to me then. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this show is a bit like Hannibal, which was on NBC, but that got canceled. It has that feeling of Hannibal, but at the same time, I really don't like this show. Yeah. I got that vibe. Especially when, uh, like, in the middle of, like, the big, like, ending fight scene, like, here's your, like, here's your money shot. He says, no, take me. I'm the one you want. I'm the prodigal son. (laughs) And I'm like, nope, nope. Stupid. Stupid, nope. Some of the writing does feel forced. Some of the casting feels forced, too. Uh, like, the mom is only 13 years older than the actor who plays the main character. Weird. In real life. Weird. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't tell by looking at it, but, you know, still kind of weird, I think. Mm, okay. Uh, but, yeah, the whole show just feels weird. It feels like they're trying too hard to take on that, like, Hannibal role, that Lucifer role, where it's slightly gimmicky mm. but at the same time it's trying to be it needs it needs to be it can't be any other way it needs to be super serious about everything it takes and it just takes it way too seriously there's no like cut through that that tension it's just all tension the entire time yeah and uh it's just oh agonizing agonizing yeah well, it's not agonizing. Our unicorns. You watch a show called The Unicorn. Uh, yes. Technically, this premieres tomorrow, okay. I think. But uh, thanks to CBS, not all access, CBS.com. <laughs> yeah, because God forbid he spend money to watch CBS programming oh. on the internet. I know, right? Yeah, why Who would he do that? that? Uh, the Unicorn. Yeah, so The Unicorn. This uni- is a sitcom? This is a sitcom. Okay. Uh, this is about a man. It's on CBS. It's about a man who lost his wife, and it's a year later. So mm-hmm. he's a single dad taking care of his two daughters, and his group of friends and neighbors think that hey, it's been a year. Maybe we should um, 
you know, get him into the dating scene so he can get out of this funk that he's in. Well, he doesn't think he's in a funk. He thinks uh, he's just, you know, being a dad for his girls. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Except all his friends uh, uh, keep seeing him, like, interact with all these other single moms who visually hit on him, like at a soccer game. And he's just super oblivious to it because he's right. focused on his girls. Right. And it's like, oh, that's nice. He's generally a caring dad. Yeah. But here comes all his um, friends. I'm going to put quotation around their friends here. Right. Yeah. Because they're, <laughs> they keep pushing him to uh, make an online profile. And so he reluctantly does. And then he keeps getting all these pings because he's a single dad who cares about his kids. Right. And that's considered a unicorn in the dating site. Thus, yes. the term, the unicorn. I, okay, uh, real quick though. Yes. I have a problem with this this name and is the use the, of this term. Is it the same problem I had? Go ahead. <laughs> because there's a very different definition of the term unicorn, at least that I'm aware of in the dating scene. Do, do you also? Do you know where I'm going here? Maybe not. Go ahead. Explain. For those that don't know. My understanding was that a unicorn meant uh, somebody willing to, or like interested in being a third in a couple situation. So like joining a couple's romantic slash sexual experience as a third member. Okay. That's what I thought a unicorn meant. Because it's called a unicorn for similar reasons, because that person is seen to be rare. Right. Like, I've had people tell me, it's like, oh, yeah, I leave my dating profile up, and I constantly get couples asking me to be their unicorn. Because it's so rare. Because it's so rare. Well, that's why they called him the unicorn, so because it's also so, because, so yeah, rare. The name of the unicorn, I immediately thought, it's like, is that what this is about? The, the guy has kids. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to be someone's unicorn? No. <laughs> no, no, no. No. No, it's not about that. Okay. Very no, but it is in the same vein uh, something that is very rare in the dating God. world to find. That is a single dad right. who How is looking to date. That is very into his kids. Is it funny? Um, it's aside from like the friends being super yeah, terrible, terrible friends about the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Okay, there are some good laughs in it. Um, is single camera? It is single camera. Because CBS uh, had tried single camera. Well, I mean, Young Sheldon is like the one example that they have of one working. Uh, but traditionally, their single camera stuff has not lasted. It is a bit like Young Sheldon, where okay. it is that single camera, everything's on location-esque. Because, yeah, what was their last try at this? Life in Pieces? Yeah, yeah. And Life in yeah, Pieces. Only lasted a couple seasons, right? Two? Right, yeah. Two, uh, Colin Hanks. Right. Two. So yeah, I don't know about this. Uh, CBS does not have a great track record. No, they don't have a great track record. But I was like going into it, I was very hesitant about the guy playing the unicorn, the dad, um, <laughs> whether he could actually pull it off, like <laughs> be convincing enough as a single dad. And yeah. sure enough, okay. he is. Because right. this show reminds me of a different show about a single dad called. Single parents, where right. Taryn Killam does not play a convincing dad. Yeah, can imagine that. Even though he probably <laughs> is a dad, yeah. he does not play a convincing one to me. Uh, and that show is also, you know, about single 
yeah. single parents. But I kind of like this a bit more because okay. it does play into more of that dating, dirty, flirty yeah. kind of world. But also about the girls, which unlike single parents where the kid was elementary school and everything's there is about PTA, ETA meetings and soccer. Um, these girls in uh, the unicorn are a bit older, about 14, 15. Okay. Teenage girls. Teenage girls. And so they're getting into dating life and gossiping. And so they're also playing into that angle as well, while he's also a single father trying to deal with single with um, okay. not just, oh, you're going through puberty, but you're also going through dating after not being aware of boys, while also being aware of my own dating life. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff they can play with here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens throughout this season. I may keep this on my radar to eventually binge watch or keep track of it, but this is something I will keep my eye on. Well, uh, however, will you also be keeping your eye on Bob Hart's Abishola? Bob Hart's Abishola. <laughs> what is this? So, um... I'm guessing that this, the logo probably uses an actual heart. No, it says heart. Oh, it says the word heart? Yes. Okay. So, this stars Billy Geidel. Okay. Um, who also starred in Mike and Molly. Okay. I believe so, right? That guy. Billy, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not Kevin James. No, the other guy. Yes, Billy Gardell. Yeah, him. Um, so, the reason I bring up Mike and Molly, because that show was canceled. Right. But, out of that show, we got Melissa McCarthy. I mean, technically, technically Melissa McCarthy already existed. Was, I mean, she was on Gilmore Girls, Girls for years. Yes. But yes, I'll give you that one. But yes. Uh, so, because uh, Melissa McCarthy became a big star and couldn't do Mike and Molly anymore, Billy Gardell needed a new show. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are with Bob Hart's Obishala. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, let me see if this sounds funny to you. <laughs> Always a great intro to explaining a sitcom to someone. Well, I bring this up because this is the first five minutes okay. of the sitcom. All right. Billy Gardell has a heart attack. Oh, no. Okay. He is rushed to the hospital. Uh-huh. Um, when he wakes up uh, in said hospital, he notices the nurse. Uh-huh. The nurse, he says, looks like an angel. <laughs> okay. He is immediately smitten with said nurse. That is the basic premise of this. So is he still in the hospital when the rest of the show happens? No. Okay. No, that's just the first How five minutes. How does he keep in contact with the nurse? He stalks the nurse. That's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Okay. He uh, goes... So after he's released from the hospital, he goes back to the hospital uh-huh. to try and get her home of address. Course. What? what? Wait, 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 hold on. Not phone number. Not something like normal person, but home address? So he goes back to the hospital, finds out, one, she's not on call, she's not on the shift, so she, she's not there. Um, so he asked the staff, well, can I get a phone number? Can I get an address? Like, well, no, we can't give that out. Well, he bribes them. <laughs> Are you kidding? With socks. Socks? Oh, yes. By the way... Billy Gardell owns a sock company. Okay. He is the president CEO 
of a startup sock company. Real quick, before you continue, this show just seems like it was made by an algorithm, and like none of this seems like it was any logic to it. It just all seems just like generated by a computer. Anyway, continue. Oh, let me keep going. <laughs> so, he gives her socks, she gets uh, a dress, because clearly Billy Gardell is kind of smitten with her. Yeah. So, it's like, okay. So, he goes to her house, where... She lives with her parents and her younger brother or kid. Okay. I want to say What's brother. What's the age difference here? What do you mean? Like, he's not a young man. How old is she supposed to be? Uh, roughly 30-ish. She's so not a... Younger than he is. Yes. want to make that clear here. I want to say younger, just because okay. they always play him younger. Because of course. Yes. But she is also a nurse, so assumption is... Young-ish. Young. Because she would still be nursing. Well, yeah, she would still be nursing. Uh, she would be uh, out of nursing school. It's established that she's been working at the hospital for some time now. Okay. So it's not like she's just a new resident, where that'd be even on the younger side. But no, it's established that she's probably 30-ish, I want to say. Late 20s, early 30s, maybe. Either way. Either way, um, they, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, so he goes to the house. Yeah. Um, where he meets the parents. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, well, no, I didn't forget to mention, um, the parents aren't English speakers. Okay. They are all Nigerian immigrants. Got it. So, there is obviously a language barrier in which Billy Gardell has to communicate to the small child, to the kid... To communicate to the parents to figure out where she Got is. Got it. Okay. Does that sound like a comedy? It sounds like a comedy. I don't know if it sounds funny, but it sounds <laughs> like something written for a comedy. Yes. Well, eventually, he finds Obishala um, at a bus station because she's on her way to work. So, he rides the bus with her and gives her socks and says, I'd like to see you again. And so they kind of like, I don't really know you. Oh, but you will. Um, it's kind of getting into that weird territory of what Mike and Molly started out in, where uh. should these people even be together? <laughs> they, they kind of met super awkwardly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, this does not sound good. No, it does not. But because it's Billy Gardell at CBS... Might do well it, against all odds. It might do something against all odds. Okay, well, we need to speed up because you have ten minutes. Okay. All right, uh, we have more shows, though. Yes, we do. All Rise. Let me guess, this isn't a courthouse. This isn't a courthouse. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> this is also a CBS show. Okay. All Rise. Yeah. We're no. Not, we're not No, we're not going to do the All Rise? We're not going to Rise. Okay. What's up with All Rise? All Rise is about a judge. You don't say. It's about a new judge. A new judge? A new judge. All right. A uh, new judge. Aaron Judge. Uh, close. Actually. <laughs> no, it's nowhere near nowhere that. Nowhere close. Nowhere close. But, no. A new judge is appointed to the bench, and this is her first time on the other side of the gavel. Uh-huh. But, but, because she literally just came from being a lawyer... To being a judge, because that's how the courts work. She is still in that like 
clientele mindset. Sorry. Oh yeah. Plug it in. Yeah, I got you. She <laughs> is still in that like clientele mindset where she's trying to do what's right to the clients. Yeah, no. And not necessarily well the actual I am, moral decision. Uh, I am a judge here. I'm supposed to be impartial. Yeah. And it seems to be, like, especially in the first episode, she was struggling with that. Because instead of listening to the legal counsel in front of her, she asked the defendant if she understood what was going on. Yeah. Instead of the legal counsel, yeah. which is like, my client pleads this or that. Right. It was, okay, I see, like, what you have here. I see what you're, I hear what you're saying. But because I'm new and I'm going to break the system because I'm new and young and ready... I'm going to ask the uh, defendant directly, do you really understand what you're saying here? And then it goes into, like, the whole episode. Okay. But in addition to that, there's also the boyfriend slash ex-boyfriend slash super good friend slash um, former work colleague. It's really unclear their relationship, but they really act that way. Um, and he's a lawyer who works in the courthouse, and they do a separate thing with him as well, doing his own, uh, you know, so they get two court cases at the same time. That's how they do that. It'd be interesting to see where this goes, because this is from the viewpoint of a new judge who's there to break the system, but also fix the system from within, because, as I say in the episode... That's why I became a judge, to fix the system. And you can only fix the system if you're a judge. You can't really do that. If you're a lawyer, it goes into that. And so it's really strange if I like this or not. Because I like the idea of it, but I don't know how sustainable it's going to be. Because mm-hmm. I can see it being mm-hmm, like, yeah. yeah, okay, clearly you're still in a lawyer mindset here, trying to help the people. But at the same time, you shouldn't be because you're a judge now. Yeah. You're not a lawyer. Because at that point, the show becomes like about her being a bad judge, yeah. which is a different show. Right. We already had bad judge bad on judge. NBC. Exactly. Uh, I see uh, this next show also has law in the name. Okay. Yes. What is Bluff City Law? Ah. So this is the other law show, yes. a new law series. This is on NBC. Okay. Uh, this takes place in Memphis and stars Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. That Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. That Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. Uh, as a lawyer, uh, as a defendant. Uh-huh. Well, the show's not about him. It's about his daughter. And this is a pilot ass pilot episode. Yep. So, uh, it starts with the uh, daughter who works for the tobacco industry. Mm-hmm. She's on the side of evil, clearly because... She has established working as a lawyer for the tobacco industry, Mm -hmm. defending the tobacco company Mm -hmm. against someone trying to sue, saying, hey, you gave me cancer. Incredibly topical. Oh, did we give you cancer? Are you sure it wasn't the stripper you went to, the hooker you hooked up with, your wife's infidelity? Are you sure it wasn't the red meat, the the everything else, the 500 other things that could cause cancer? But, But again, incredibly topical, given the week's events. Yes. Well, anyways... Her mom dies. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, I knew this was happening because in the opening, like, little brief blurb it gives you, it says um, that 
something tragic brings family together. Yeah. It's like, oh, clearly the mom dies, because what else is it going to be? Seeing as Jimmy Smith is in it, and you're going to kill him off. Yeah. Uh, but she leaves her nice, cushy job as a corporate lawyer to go defend the little guy um, in her father's attorney office, or lawyer office, attorney office. And so it's about her, who used to be a part of the system, is now fighting against the system she was a part of. Mm-hmm. So she knows, because she was a top lawyer, she knows all the like tips and tricks and stuff to that they would use on them, but now has to find a way to basically beat herself every episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's interesting. I like where it goes. Yeah, what slightly it does. better premise than the Slightly better one. premise, yeah. <laughs> but it is still a law, uh, law show, yeah, so yeah. it will still follow the Formulaic. same formula as yeah. most law shows do. Yeah. So it's a give and take. Yeah, it looks about, yeah, I don't know if either will really have staying power, but we'll see. I don't know. I like the chemistry between the uh, between the two main characters. The father-daughter dynamic plays up really well because the father's been around for years, so he plays it more more in terms of a long game rather than the daughter who plays it more of like I want to get the the brownie the win points now. And it does show a good dynamic between seasoned lawyer and kind of a new lawyer, even though she's been around and clearly yeah. got paid top dollar. Yeah, at one point. But yeah, no, it's an interesting show. I can see people getting really into it. It definitely has more of a better premise than the uh, than All Rise. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think this could be the new thing people look into instead of uh, was it the Blue Line, whatever the Jennifer Lopez show was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Blue Shield. Blue Line. Something blue. Midnight Blue. Dark Blue. Dark. Turquoise blue. Whatever the hell that show is called. The, the, the blue. The color blue. Yeah. Um, okay, well, amongst all these new shows, you had two of your tried and true favorites. Uh, yes. You watched the season premieres for both uh, This Is Us and The Voice. So, uh, This Is Us. Yeah. Premiered last night. Yes. I watched it with my doctor. Yes. Thinking, okay, maybe you'll get into this. She got into it. She was like, oh... This is kind of good. I may watch this with you. I was like, okay. I'll make you watch the first episode first. I'll make you watch the pilot because watching that pilot for This Is Us is a real good setup, is a real good jumping off point into the series. Especially into this season where it sets up so much in that pilot episode that you can watch that pilot episode and then immediately watch what's going on and get caught up like that because a lot of the storylines... They do get kind of wrapped up at the end of the, each season. Uh-huh. But you can also like infer what's been going on because part of what the show does is writing good dialogue and references back to itself, not only in dialogue, but also in actions and also in interactions. And it really does that really well. It's one of the reasons why I really like this show. Mm-hmm. I do recall last season, though, you were complaining a bit about some of the plot decisions that they had made. Yeah... And then how every episode had to upend the last, outdo the last one. The and it was feeling, you were feeling the strain. Yes, I was. Is well, it still that? I had a summer to recuperate from That's the strain. True. 
You're ready to just get strained again. I'm ready to get strained again. <laughs> uh, it is still a good show. It is one of the best things on cable networks. Uh, Milo Ventimiglia crushes it. Non-cable networks. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> on the basic cable networks. Nope. Still wrong. Okay. On network television. On network television. There it is. I'll get there eventually. But no, this is still one of the best things out there on network television in terms of a drama. Yeah. Because as we've established, The Good Place is the best thing on TV. It's true. Still true. Still true. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm ready to get sucked in again into all the fields. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for it again. Okay. Uh, how quickly can you talk about The Voice because your time is up? Oh, The Voice. There's no more Adam Lambert. Hell yeah! <laughs> Wait, is, no, not Adam Lambert. Yes. No. Yes. No. 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 Adam yes. Levine. Adam Levine. Adam Lambert is with Queen. Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert is with Queen. Yeah. Adam Levine is out touring with Maroon 5, I assume. Okay, so The Voice. Is it The Voice? It's still The Voice. Okay, let's move on. Instead of the banter between uh, Adam Levine and... Um, Bryce, Blake Shelton. Blake, Blake Shelton. You are failing names today. Oh, I'm done here. But yeah, but instead of the badge between those two, it's now between him and Gwen Stefani. Uh, Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani because they're okay, now they're dating and now they're the couple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the judges this season include the legend John and Kelly Clarkson. Right. And I think it it works. It, mm. I, I like it. I'll, I'll continue to watching it. But yeah. Um, I like the banter. I like the, I like what they're doing there. It's a solid show. They know what they're doing there. Carson Daly is a host, but he's a non-existent host because... <laughs> he does a thing at the beginning and a thing at the end. He yeah. does some things at the beginning at the end. He does some interstitial stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, there, yeah. like the... Oh, here's... Because this is still like the, the choose your team rounds. It's a lot of the, oh, here's my backstory that serves as the interstitial. But Carstelli does do the voiceover to introduce everything, so it's, it's something. Okay. But yeah, the voice is the voice, and the it's voice still the, the voice. voice. That took you 32 minutes. I told you 30 minutes. Hey, you were over. All right. I uh, so in the, in the over under. We are done with television. Which means we have deaths or cancellations. Oh, sorry. I scrolled too low. We do. We have cancellations and renewals, and then we have a death. But we'll get there. Uh, first up, Netflix has confirmed that Glow will be coming back for a fourth season, but that season will be its last. Oh well, hey, at least they they, they get a fourth season finale in addition in in notice. And yeah, and um, like I said uh, when I talked about season three. Uh, they have just enough to do one more season, but yeah, I can't imagine them doing too much for beyond that. So this is probably smart. Okay. So yeah, just one more round. Uh, um, do you yeah. think this is Netflix canceling it or the show creator saying? I we've... don't know. That's a good question. I could imagine either way. Okay. I could imagine either way. All right. Uh, also, uh, so okay, you're gonna have to explain this one to me because I am getting this confused with the movie. Go ahead. Is there a television show named Vice? Yes. So this is a. Or part is this related to the website? Both, actually. So, so unrela- is- unlike the film Vice, <laughs> yeah. which focuses on Vice President Dick Cheney, uh, directed by Anne McKay. Right. Vice on HBO is indeed a part of Vice, the website. So is this uh, related to their network, Vice Land? 
Um, no, it's not related to Vice Land. This was their show on HBO that they were did. Did that predate Vice Land? It predated Vice oh, Land. Okay, got it. So the new, I guess the story here is that that was on HBO, and that show is now moving to Showtime. Yes. Okay. Uh, new episodes will be in the spring. Um, it did get a sort of a name change from Vice to Vice News, but yeah. they never called it Vice News because they were individual stories. Okay. So it was still Vice. Yeah, it's you know what you're getting. It's yeah. Basically content produced by the people at Vice. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, showtime. And then lastly, yes, uh, as I mentioned, we have one death. Um, a writer and producer of um, several um, animated programs you may be familiar with, J. Michael Mendel. Uh, age 54, pretty young. He worked on shows like The Simpsons, Rick and Morty, and The Oblongs. Um, and those, yep, uh, those are some... Yeah. Those are pretty good shows right there, I anime shows. I saw um, a couple of tweets go out with um, some pictures of him very young with the Simpsons writing staff <laughs> in the 90s, and it was sad. I was like, oh, oh. that's sad. Yeah, that's a good group there. Young Simpsons writers. Yep. So I hand this over to you because it's time to move on to the music section. All right. And we always start music with the Billboard. Yes. And we always start the Billboard with the Hot 100. Goddess songs. So what's... uh, What's hot? The truth hurts, doesn't it? It always does. Especially when you're there for three weeks. Yeah, four weeks. Four weeks. This will be the fourth week of number one. Yep. Uh, Truth Hurts by Lizzo. Four weeks at number one. Yes. That means Senorita at number two by Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello. Also four weeks in there. Yes. It is the new Taylor Swift. It's forever number two. It is the new Billie Eilish. Forever number two. Uh, Speaking of Billie Eilish, number three, Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. Which I will only assume will be number one next week once it gets the SNL bump. Uh, Probably not. Or unless she puts out a new song. She has other songs. I know, she has a full album out. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Uh, number four. Someone You Loved by Louis Cabaldi. I don't know what this is. They're not know. playing it on our local radio stations. So this is a question mark for me. It is. But at number five, just when you thought he was out, yep. they pull him back in. Panini by Lil Nas X. Yes, after a long time hanging out in the top ten not breaking the top five, Panini finally reached the top five. It will probably never be number one. <laughs> no. That's my prediction. Can we sue for Panini? Because that's our phrase? No. No? no he, can, he can have it. No. Oh. It, it, it's a fine song. It's catchy. It is. Hey, Panini. 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 And it samples that Nirvana song for no reason. For it's no really reason weird. at all. It's such a weird song. It is. Anyway. Anyways, uh, as for your Billboard 200, uh, your albums chart, number one is Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. For the second week in a row. Beating out number two, three, by the Lumineers. Yes. That you uh, listened to and talked about last week. Yes. Um... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people were down this week, apparently. Yeah. Must be in the news. Yeah. Ah! yeah uh, speaking of three, number three is Lover by Taylor Swift. Yep. Number four, So Much Fun by Young Thug. <laughs> and number five, Still. We Love You, Tekka by Lil Tekka. Yep. Uh, well, in case you want to listen to any of those. Yeah. I or in case you're done listening to those, we have new releases. Okay. Where, what am I listening to this week? I don't know what you're listening to this week, uh-huh. but here are your new releases. Uh, first up, we have Extreme Power Metal by Dragon Force. <laughs> yes, get that your guitar is, hero guitars ready. That is such an apt name for that it's band. what you want from them, I suppose. <laughs> I wonder what kind of acoustic guitars they're going to play. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Anyways, we also have Welcome Home by Girl Band. 
Girl band, girl band? A band? No, I, I believe girl band is not a girl band. Girl band is That's, a boy band, but they I say girl band. I believe it band. has men in it. Right. <laughs> uh, we also have For the Girls. Yes. By Kristen Chenoweth. Yes, Broadway's own. Yes, that Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, we also have Stars Are the Light by Moon Duo. This is the Place by Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. We talked about his brother Liam last week, who you mis, uh, mistook as a former One Directioner. I saw Liam. What am I supposed to think? <laughs> anyway. Anyways, we also have Incarnavenum by Venenum. Okay. Venenum? Venenum. Venenum by Opeth. Uh-huh. Uh, if extreme power metal isn't your thing, maybe heavy metal by Steel Panther is your thing. (laughs) Yeah, big metal week. (laughs) If you don't like any of that, we also have Sound and Fury Mm. by Sturgill Simpson. Yes. Hey! What? I'm Just Like You. You are? By Tegan and Sarah. Oh, right, yes, Tegan and Sarah. Yes, that Tegan and Sarah with their new album, Hey! I'm just like you. They also have a memoir out this uh, week called High School, where they talk about their high school years. That makes sense. Makes sense. That makes sense. This is also supposed to be a throwback. This was uh, this album was supposed to be like unreleased stuff that they wrote when they were much much younger. Ah. Yes. So this is like Theme. original raw right. Tegan and Sarah. Yeah, yeah, like like I guess, but performed by modern Tegan and Sarah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I'll have to listen. To so, so maybe they just like brush this off like hey I remember when you used to do this stuff let's get back to our roots eh, or so or something or something or uh, something uh, we also have In the Morse Code of Brake Lights by The New Pornographers right and lastly we have Vagabond yes by Vagabond their self-titled album yeah. mm-hmm. I will be listening to several of these this week. Okay. Well, I'm going to not. not. <laughs> because I had, your week I had week. my week this week. And I have three albums here that we need to talk about. Okay. But before we talk about yes. the new albums. The news. We have news. Brief as it is. As brief as it is, it is still news. So, first up, Motown. You know the sounds of Motown. I love the sounds of Motown. The hits of Motown. Yes. Well, at the ripe old age of 89, Barry Gordy, who built Motown Records into a multimedia empire in the 1960s and 70s, has officially announced his retirement. Quote, I have come full circle, he said on stage, during Motown's 60th anniversary program at Orchestra Hall in Detroit, where, in Detroit, he founded and built the label with members of his family and many artists and executives from the local community. Quote, It is only appropriate to announce this here, to announce this while here in Detroit, the city where my fairy tale happened with all of you, he concluded. According to the Detroit Free Press and other news outlets, this is a legendary man, a legendary producer, a legendary founder. Literally, Motown Records is a name in itself, and he is the yeah. man behind that name. 
and kind of incredibly for a long time. I think that's the thing here is that he's finally retiring. He the could, company has existed for 60 years. He could have retired yeah, several retired. times over already. Yeah. But he stuck around. He stuck around and uh, shepherded it through the whole way. Mm-hmm. I do want to note, though, uh, I'm reading a book right now about the history of pop music. And even back in the founding days of Motown, uh, he's not the, he wasn't the easiest guy to work with. He has had his share of scandals and uh, not-so-great uh, business dealings over the years. So he's not a perfect guy. But uh, the fact that he stayed in the business that long is kind of insane. That this is a mu- uh, this is a story worth reporting, regardless, because oh, yeah. it's like the dude who was the face of Motown for sixty years uh, is yeah he's gonna be moving on to other stuff. I mean he'll probably still show up for anniversaries. He'll still probably be like referenced, uh, but he won't be there day to day. Yeah, but at eighty nine years old, how much time does he? Yeah, that might keep be going. Why? Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, I would imagine though it'll be interesting to see where Motown the company goes from here, uh, without Barry Gordy's uh, kind of vision, whatever that may have been. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. All right, uh, moving on to the songs of hope. Yeah. So where are you familiar with this? With this? Because I am not. But apparently, it's been running for fifteen years. Apparently, it has been <laughs> because this is the fifteenth annual. Songs of Hope, on which uh, honors United. So let me start over here. The fifteenth <laughs> annual Song of Hope honors United uh, songwriters, music industry insiders, and more than a few preeminent doctors at producer Alex DeKid's Sherman Oaks compound on Thursday night. Jimmy Jam. <laughs> Not confused with Jimmy Johns. Jimmy Johns yeah, uh, returned to host the event, which served as a fundraiser for the ever vital, ever vital City of Hope Medical Treatment Center, right. as well as a celebration of the craft of song. I love the craft of song. I love craft. Full stop. Macaroni and cheese and song. Yes, Songs of Hope has raised over four million dollars. And serves as a run-up to next month, City of Hope, Spirit of Life Gala, honoring Epic Records chairman, Sylvia Roan. So this is a fundraiser. For the City of Hope. For the City of Hope Hospital. Right. Which I think primarily deals with children. Uh, Yeah. It is the children's hospital there. Right. Much like uh, Children's Hospital Los Angeles. They don't like to be called Shola. No. No. They, They want... The whole thing, City Children's Hospital, Los Angeles. But yeah, no, City of Hope is a one of the preeminent institutions in Los Angeles, and yeah, four million dollars fundraised for that. Really yeah, good, not good, that's pretty good. All right, speaking of stuff that's not bad, okay, the stuff I listen to. All right, so uh, I'm gonna help you out here because I listened to something on this list. Oh God, thank God. <laughs> Just uh, I. I was uh, really bored last Friday, and so I had a lot, and there was a lot of downtime. So I I listened to one of these things, but I'll let you uh, start where you want. Here. Well, I'm going to start with the order I have. Okay. Let's go with Nine by Blink One Eighty Two. So this is what I listened to. Ding. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, Blink One Eighty Two yeah. without Tom DeLonge. Current lineup: Blink One Eighty Two. Yes. Uh, Tom DeLonge is currently 
running or was currently running into Area 51 yeah. and talking about the UFOs. Tom DeLonge's too busy being told by the Navy that his videos are real <laughs> and that they shouldn't have been released to the public. That's and clearly he's all hyped about that because, hey, he ain't crazy apparently. He's been saying, even in that Blink-182 song called Aliens Exist, exist. that aliens exist. Yes. So maybe we should have <laughs> believed him. Uh, anyway. What's happening with current day Blink-182 on 9? Current day Blink-182 put out their ninth album titled... Nine. Nine. That makes sense. Hey, that shoe fits. Nine. Yeah. So, Nine uh, by Blink-182 with the new album, or with the new uh, lineup. Yeah. Uh, So, it's weird having listened to Blink-182 throughout my life. Yeah. Because if I took their first album and this most recent album... I would tell you you're listening to two separate bands. But seeing as I've, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you look at it, grown up with Blink-182 and listened to their albums as they come out, I've seen the growth that they've taken. I've seen that arc that they're in. And I see how this new album, Nine, is definitely a Blink-182 album. And I also see how that first album is definitely a Blink-182 album. And I see that growth between the two. I also see that this new album has a lot of that feels from that California album that they put out last year, and they're definitely aging in a new direction. They're also doing a lot of callbacks to themselves, because these are 50-year-old men, 40-year-old men? (laughs) They're in their 40s, I think. Late 40-ish, maybe, old men talking to teenagers about, hey... I'll still like you. But here are these life lessons I learned that may be able to help you out. Yeah. So that was kind of my thought going through this thing. I agree with you that there are enough, like, stylistic... There's enough stylistic evolution here that you can tell they've learned something. So obviously they don't have songs about, like, cursing like they used to. They don't have songs about, like, you know, inappropriate sexual behavior with animals anymore. Like, there are certain things that they've left behind in the 90s. There are other things, however, uh, that yeah make them sound like they really haven't moved too far beyond, say, the self-titled album in 2003, mm-hmm. because they still have songs about like that sound like teenagers wrote them about relationships, yep. and there's still songs about talking about how one song, the re- requisite uh, song about how cool the girl they're seeing is, right. and then also on the same album later the song about how terrible the girl they're seeing is so it's like and the fact that they're still using like such like like such teenage kind of angsty kind of ways to talk about relationships and women it definitely makes them like makes you wonder it's like these are four-year-olds singing these songs right that wrote these songs but that's always been their thing because they were talking about high school relationships when they were in their late 20s this has always been the band that they are They've never grown up. I know, and it's weird to listen to them, yeah. like, clearly, as we've grown up, so we're our yeah. way out of that time like, uh, phrase. We're younger than they are, having grown up with their music, and we're looking at this thing being like, man, why are they still stuck in high school? Well, I guess that's, I mean, they play to their fan base, and yeah. As they literally stayed together for the kids. <laughs> so, like, I guess they know who their audience is. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the South Park thing. People will come yeah. and go, but 18-year-olds will always be 18-year-olds. Yeah. And 
they'll always find their stuff funny and good. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's not a bad. That's not a bad like metaphor. Is yeah, Blink One Eighty Two is kind of the South Park of music because they both peaked in '99. Yeah, and <laughs> they're both still at it and having diminishing returns because of it. Well, maybe diminishing returns around our group, but there's still an audience for them, and there's still an audience yeah. they play to right. who will still seek them out and find them relevant to them. There were moments, though, I did have listening to it, specifically like the, the, the opening track, and like a handful of moments later as well, where I was like, you know what? It's cool that they're still doing this, and yeah. that they can do it as well as they used to. Because I think that me mentioning the, the self-titled is key, because I think that's where they figured out what Blink-182 was going to be from there on. And everything after that has sounded like that. Right. I think the albums before that, of course, were the more commercially successful and the more popular. But, really, it's that self-titled that was, like, the blueprint for what they would become. And they're still riffing on the same kind of balance. Mm -hmm. With, once you have the ballads on the album, you have the, the, uh, the, the, like, the the more traditional pop-punk songs. And you also have, like, the more interesting kind of experimental things where they mess around with synths and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're still using that as the template. And it still works. Yeah. I think for people who like Blink-182, this thing totally still works. It, it is totally a sounds like album a Blink in 2019. It totally sounds like a Blink-182 yeah. album. I think people who like this album will also like that California album. Right. It's crazy that they're, they're somehow not invited to that mega tour with Weezer and right. Green Day in them because they would fit the bill way better, I think, than Fallout Boy. <laughs> I think... Swap Fallout Boy with Blinking 182, and that tour makes so much more sense. I, I think it gets you to go to that tour. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but it gets that, it feels more generationally appropriate yeah. than Fallout Boy, which kind of straddles a later line. Right. So, I, I don't know. It, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, it's an interesting thing because, yeah, it's both emotionally stunted, but it sounds exactly like you'd want them to sound now. They've never gotten worse. They've only continued to be Blink-182, which is not something that Weezer or Green Day can say. No, like, Weezer and Green Day definitely had yeah. their valleys, right. but Blink-182, you, you can always count on them to have that Blink-182 yeah. sound. I mean, it says, say what you will about Mark Havis, but he knows what people want out of him. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, but it's, like, that it's really good, though, good yeah. weird. It's good weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't love it. But, uh, yeah, it does what it needs to do. Yeah. I think there's maybe one song on that album I may put on my playlist, but yeah. no, it's yeah. it's a Blink-182 album. Most of it's, yeah. most of the songs aren't geared towards me, but at the same time, I'm not hating it. Well, it's super long, though. Yeah. And that kind of is like, all right, why is this so long? All right. But, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. What else did you listen to this week? Uh, I listened to The Owl. By Zach Brown Band. All right, how are the old Zach Brown Band? Are they still frying chicken? Um, maybe, but I understand. What, I finally, I think, maybe understand what the <laughs> Zach stands for in Zach Brown Band. He's a dude, right? No, well, what? I don't know, maybe, but it's initialized. <laughs> okay. So the Z, yeah, in Zach Brown Band stands for Generation Zach. Z. Oh wait, what? Z stands for Generation <laughs> Z because there's a lot of there's songs on this album uh-huh. and songs that they do in general. Uh, that are the more geared towards pop, geared towards radio play, geared towards, like, we're going to take our sound, but put a bunch of synths into this, put a bunch of beats into this, put a bunch of drops into this. Uh And and be really uppity about this whole process. Then, 
the A in Zach Brown Band uh-huh. stands for acoustics, okay. where they strip everything away. All right. They strip it all away to just have uh, either pia- a song on a piano, a song, a ballad on a guitar. They strip it all away and go acoustic on it. But then there's the C in Zach in Zach Brown Band, which stands for country, where they bring in the banjo and the twang <laughs> and the uh, steel guitar and make it feel like a country album. So this sounds to me that it's almost like the Zac Brown Band doesn't necessarily know if they want to be the Zac Brown Band anymore. The Zac Brown Band doesn't play by any rules because yeah. they're the Zac Brown Band, and right. that's what you get on this album. Okay. You get a bunch of that mixture of we're going to play, like here's three songs in a row that are straight pops, pop songs. Straight, like, we're going to go all out full production on this thing. Then there's, like, it goes to the next three songs that goes into, here's the, what you might want, uh, what you, what some of you like about Zach Brown Band, mm-hmm. where it does that acoustic, breaking down stuff, um, like, songs of the heart type things. And then it goes into, here's three songs about the country of Zach Brown Band. Here's that good old boy trucks and girls and beer and country fried steak that you like about Zach Brown Band. And so, because they don't play because they don't play (laughs) by their because they don't play by any set of rules they're Uh kind of free to do whatever they want. Kind of like what Eric Church does where he just does whatever he wants and people like it or they hate it but it's still an Eric Church album. That's kind of what Zach Brown Band is is where they're not pigeonholed to anything, yeah. but because they're not pigeonholed, they kind of do whatever they I'm want. I'm noticing this as a trend with modern country acts. As soon as the radio stops playing them, they give like they give up on the radio. Right. Like they're just like, all right, okay, fine, we won't play to you anymore. We're just gonna do whatever we feel like. Well, I think they've kind of hit that status though. Yeah, sounds like where it. they still have, we will continue to have hits on the radio. Till like 50 years from now. I mean, this is the strategy that earned Casey Musgraves an album of the year so at the Grammys. So yeah. I say go for it. <laughs> yeah. But that being... Yeah, but it's Zach Brown Band. Okay. It's weird and it works. Right. Like, each song, as different as it is, still sounds like a Zach Brown Band song. But it's still super weird going from something... You know, from that, like, Gen Z to the acoustic to the country. Yeah. Like, you get... You get some whiplash there. It's not cohesive at all. But that's also kind of what the band is. It's not super, like, like I said, pinned hold to one yeah, thing. Yeah, not one thing. It's just all there. So, yeah, it's weird, but it kind of works because they are who they are. Okay. But, yeah, no, yeah, I suggest checking it out. Um, yeah, they got some good songs on there. they got some good radio play songs, but, yeah. It's super weird album because when it starts, it's like, oh, is this really what I'm getting into? It's like, oh, this is what I wanted. It's like, oh, well, maybe this is what (laughs) I wanted. Yeah. Oh, but they gave me all of it. So it's like a good, like, little smorgasbord with a little bit of everything. Neat. Okay. Yeah, it is a neat one. All right. Now, the exact opposite of that is doing the cookie cutter thing every single time. Yeah. And that's what we get with the third album here. Okay. Alright, so let me talk to you about All the Feels by Fitz and the Tantrums. Alright. So, 
as we mentioned, Abominable is coming up. <laughs> yes. Uh, the animated uh, movie by DreamWorks. Yeah. I will not be surprised if, when the credits start rolling, you hear a Fits in the Tantrum song <laughs> playing. Probably. Because that is what this album is. Yeah. It is your kid-friendly Songs animated film. Soundtrack animated film. All soundtracks <laughs> album. Oh, boy. Okay. The thing about that, though, is that it's not just one song. It's not just two songs. It is literally the whole album built that way. And granted, the whole album is, you know, it's catchy. It's poppy. I've been, I've been bopping to it. I've been like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. The choruses are catchy. But at the same time, it feels so manufactured. But they can manufacture hits. Mm-hmm. There are songs in here that I like. Literally thought to myself, "Yeah, this can be at the end of a movie. This is at the end of a kids' movie. This is at the end of a Nickelodeon movie. This is at the end of the upcoming animated movie. Maybe not Frozen, but, <laughs> <laughs> but upcoming non Disney. Non well, no, because even <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph two yeah. ended with Magic Dragons. It's different though. Yeah." <laughs> But no, like the whole album, I was thinking that, wow, they just make sound, like movie soundtrack hits. <laughs> and I was thinking like, wait, I could probably make an album of just their songs and call it Fitz and the Tantrums, where it's about it, a kid call called Fitz. Oh. Yeah. A kid called uh-huh. Fitz and how he has to deal with the tantrums being <laughs> not not a family or people of tantrums but like little gremlins called they call themselves tantrums it's the worst <laughs> but it's an animated film by Nickelodeon and it has it's like has that no. kind of feel to it yeah I don't know this doesn't sound good <laughs> well it's not good it's safe yeah this sounds. This whole album sounded safe. It sounded like something a mom would put on for her kids. It sounds like rock radio in 2019, which is yeah. all this stuff has become that. Yeah. And yeah, that's why I don't even remember the last time I listened to our local rock stations. Well, I don't listen to rock. I don't listen to radio anymore. Yeah. I listen to albums. Right. Is there any other albums you want to talk about? Um. No. Okay. But Maroon Five does have a new song out. Yeah, screw that. I listen to. <laughs> Uh, I'll just briefly mention that I did listen to two things. Okay, uh, what did you listen to? Uh, but yeah, the new Chastity Belt and the new Vivian Girls. Uh, Vivian Girls' first album in eight years. No. Oh. Uh, very good. Uh, they're both really, really great. Um, I recommend them to people who like that kind of thing. Okay. It. All right, let's move on. Uh, we have to talk about Oh, wait, did games. you talk about Chastity Belt? I just did. Let's talk about oh. video games. Wait, is it Chastity Belt by Vivian? No, those are two different things. Oh, those are two different things. Those are two different bands. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got very confused. I got super confused because you went by them super quick. I know. All right. Let's go even quicker into video games. Uh, okay. Let's finish the show. Oh, yeah. You want to finish the show? Let's finish this show with video games. Okay. Uh, we start video games with new, new releases. releases. What's new this week? Uh, first up, we have the Ninja Saviors, colon, Return of the Warriors. Yeah, we got some choice for names. For PlayStation or Switch. Uh-huh. We also have Ori and the Blind Forest, colon, Definitive Edition for the Switch. Yep. 
This is the port from um, Microsoft Xbox. Game Studios. Yeah, Microsoft. That is a Microsoft Game Studios game coming out on the yeah. Nintendo platform. Uh, we also have Dragon Quest Nine: Colon Echoes of the uh, of an Elusive Age uh-huh. S Definitive Edition <laughs> for the Switch. Take a breath now. <laughs> we also have Code Vein for uh-huh. the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Yeah. Destiny Two. Colon, Shadow Keeper for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Yeah, that's an expansion. Destiny 2. Yep. And, and then the best name this week. Get ready. You know, colon, a girl who chants love at the bound of this world <laughs> for the PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Figure that out. A girl who chants love at the bound of this world. So she's just over there like... On the, like, the edge a, uh, like, of a cliff going, love, 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 love. Is it? Love, love, <laughs> love, love. Romeo. Oh. Romeo didn't like that. that. See, chanting love right there <laughs> at the bound of this world. Yeah, anyway, those are your new releases this week. Okay. It doesn't matter because everybody's still playing Borderlands. Yep. If you're not playing Borderlands, you're playing 2K, basketball, and or Madden because they're in season. Bad. It's too bad for you. All right. <laughs> Moving on uh, to video game news. news. And the only news that came out. Basically. Well, basically. So, Sony had a state of play. Yeah, they did. Uh, it was a whole lot of stuff that I'm not going to talk about here because it wasn't that interesting. But one thing that was. Right. The only thing that mattered is that they announced October's new games I for know, free I'm games. <laughs> I know because we already own them. Yeah, and a lot of people probably do because they are MLB. They waited until October to give away the baseball game. You mean during postseason? <laughs> right. How dare they? Yes. Uh, yes. MLB The Show 19 is yeah. free for PlayStation Plus, but if you already own that, that's okay. For those of you who didn't buy it, they much. have a legacy game <laughs> titled. The Last of Us. Yeah. That if you didn't weren't one of the millions of people who bought it when yeah. it came out for the PlayStation 4 first launched. Yeah. Or since. I have well, The Last hey. of Us remastered on PS4 already, so I'm good. Right. So I'm, I'm tapped out there. But We also got, this is a perfect segue though, because we also got news about The Last of Us Part 2. Right, and that's the reason they gave it away for free. So yes. you could play it for the next couple of months. I say that in the next couple months because we have an official release date for The Last of Us Part 2. All right, what is it? Give it to me. All right. In the new trailer for The Last of Us Part 2, we finally saw a reveal of the game's release date launching February 20th, 2020. Next year. That is 2-2020. I think we have a wedding then. <laughs> uh, but the I gate... <laughs> The game brings the focus from Joel to the returning protagonist, Ellie. Yeah, we knew that. We already knew this, though. But she's now older and more weary by the state of the world. We knew that. So she'll embark <laughs> on a mission to get revenge on a rival group of a, following a traumatic event. The trailer keeps things short, but we did finally get to see another appearance from Joel who wishes to help Ellie on her vendetta. So, Joel is not dead. Or maybe. Guess not. Or not. Who knows? But hey. We'll see in February. We'll see in February. Also, if you have not played The Last of Us, 
Play it before you play yeah. this game. If you haven't played The Last of Us and you like Uncharted and other Naughty Dogs works, then you probably should uh, at least try it out. I really recommend if you have a PS4 uh, doing the remastered version, though, instead. It looks a lot better. Is that different from the one that's free? I don't actually know which one is free. I, I thought... would imagine it would be remastered. That would be really weird if it was the original. Because the original will be a PS3, because right? Because they don't have PS3 games native on PS4. Right. They do it PlayStation Now. Right. They would not be giving away a PlayStation Now game. So my no. guess here is that this is remastered. I would assume it because is. Because that plays natively on a It PS4. is the PS4 edition yeah. of right. The Last of Us. So yeah, I bet that's what you get. So yeah, in that case, yeah, absolutely. Give it a try. Um... From what I uh, hear, it's uh, enhanced with pro stuff. I uh, may I, have not tried it. I may play through this story again leading up to the release of the game because it is such a I narrative. And it is well, yeah. it is a narrative-driven yeah. uh, game to the point where I think my doctor would like maybe. watching me play yeah, it. Yeah, maybe because she did like <laughs> Red Dead Redemption being played. I would try it again, but I always get stuck in the same place. We'll just switch to <laughs> play on easy. Yeah, I think that last time I was playing it on Tuesday, I still got stuck on the same thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyways. Anyways, uh, but yeah, Last of Us Part 2, coming to 2020. 2020. Last of Us Part 2 to 2020. Yep, get ready. Oh, that's a lot of twos. Right. Uh, so, yeah. We knew this game was going to be pushed back, um, mostly because Death Stranding is going to be this holiday release. Yeah, it looks like it. So, yeah, uh, PlayStation... That is a PlayStation exclusive, right? Correct. Yeah. Naughty Dog's owned by Sony. No, I mean... Oh, last, uh, Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. So, that's unclear. It is being financed by Sony, uh, so it will at least be first on PlayStation 4. There seems to be rumblings, though, that there may be a PC version. Okay. So, that has not been confirmed. Okay. I can see them doing a PC version because it yeah. is Kojima. Right. Alright. Alright. Uh, that brings us to our final story of the podcast with Google. So, yeah, so not to be outdone by last week's news. Yeah, so uh, as was reported last week, Apple Arcade was announced for the $5 a month. Well, Google has officially unwrapped its Google Play Pass, the Android answer to that Apple Arcade. The Play Pass grants you access to 350 apps and games without ads or in-app purchases for a single subscription rate. Mm -hmm. It's launching this week in the United States. You can sample a 10-day free trial now, and after that, subscription will regularly be $5 per month. But the company is offering a promotional rate of $2 per month for the first 12 months. That's right. $24 for the entire year. That's not bad. Compared to $60. Right. I'd say that's a good deal. Yeah. Uh, after which, it will revert to the $5 rate. A promotional trailer for the service shows the games Monument Valley 2, Stardew Valley, Old Man's Journey, and Limbo, among others. But... Google Play Pass differentiates itself from Apple Arcade by offering a selection of non-game apps as well, like Photo Studio Pro, ISS HD Live, and AccuWeather. I'm guessing that's the International Space Station HD Live feed? I guess so, yeah. That sounds like that. Uh, but yeah, 
Photo Studio Pro. A thing that will probably get me to do this is the yeah. no ads. Yeah, no ads. No ads supported. No ads at or in-app purchases. As uh, Android owners, uh, we might try this. Uh, yeah. I could definitely see us trying this. Um, I may just pay up the $24 for a year. Yeah, for a year. Bad, yeah. yeah, I mean, because you don't have to like think about it for literally the next year. Yeah. And the next month when uh, the Apple Arcade stuff hits uh, MacBook, I'll probably try those too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Exciting times. Yeah. We may have... Even mobile more games, games. Yeah. to talk about. Mobile Who games. Mobile games. Who knew? Well, speaking of mobile games... You have a game have, to talk about. I have a game is to talk about. it of the about. mobile variety? It is of the mobile variety. All right, what do you got? It is also going to be very brief, though, because okay. this game literally came out today. Or at least I was told about it today. Okay. So, um, a couple weeks ago, I was browsing the Google Play Store for a new game. Okay. Trying to figure out what was going to come up. As you were wanting to do. As I would want to do. Uh, so I looked into what could I like uh, pre-install or pre-order or uh, give me a pre-notification <laughs> yeah. for when this game goes live. And I found Mario Kart Tour. Yeah, okay. You played this. So I downloaded it today okay. during lunch and I played it during lunch. Alright. Uh, so I only played for like 10 minutes and barely, barely got out of the tutorial. But it plays like a Mario game. It looks and feels like a Mario game. Mario Kart. Mario Kart. That's right, not Mario game. Yeah, Mario Kart game. Mario Kart game is very specific. Uh, you you <laughs> collect different uh, characters to as your driver. You can you collect different chassis, different wheels, different um, aerials, kind of like how you do in Mario Kart 8. And the steering has to be the strangest mechanic about it. So you can opt to either just like sliding left and right, yeah, or you can opt into the drift version where okay. you can drift left or right. Um, I opted to the drift because, of course, you can power you slide. Mario Kart, yeah. You drift and you power slide, and that's how you get the boosts. Well, the thing about that is that when you do that, you if you want to make a right turn, you have to go right, but when you power slide. You still have to go right instead of going left, like you would yeah. on a controller. So, in that aspect, it's weird. But I think I can get over that. The only thing is, I do not see myself playing this on a mobile phone. Yeah. As I would want to do, I would actually want to play this on like an iPad. Well, not an iPad because yeah. well, maybe because it's uh, Android, or no, it's probably on Apple. It would be on both. It would be on both. But I would probably want to play this more on an iPad where I have a bigger screen and can see what's happening and I can like like uh, clearly move clearly back and forth rather than on my little mobile phone where I don't want to be out and about walking while I'm driving. No, I would want to sit down and play Mario Kart because the car is driving. Mm-hmm. I, it's not something I'd want to like walk and do or, you know, relax, kick it open for a minute, which... I mean, I could. The games do run pretty fast. Um, so far, the only one I've done was two laps. But I assume you could do more, maybe. I'll get back to you on that. But it is kind of... In terms of how it looks, it feels looks and feels like a Mario 
carp game. Okay. The, the graphics look good. It didn't eat into my battery as much as I thought it would. Yeah. Which is good. That's good. But then again, I did only do like one race because that's all I had time for. Uh, so I'll give this a shot. But yeah. it's interesting. I'm interested to see uh, how you are next week after a week of dealing with like the eccentricities of it. Because I imagine that they're probably going to try to hook you into a lot of microtransaction-y stuff. And you might hit like some walls or something. So I'm interested to see what this looks like weekend. Well, this is, does have online play. So we'll have people who will have purchased those like extra chassis right. or something. We're like, hey, show this off. Like, oh, you better. want that? Yeah. Well, hey... You can just buy it. Right. Uh, well, yeah, see. probably something like that. Um, also, so I'll have more on that next week. Also, um, in terms of Pokemon Masters, I didn't mention this last week, but I did get in, I did com- complete all the badges. Yeah. I am finally entering the Pokemon Masters League proper. And as soon as I did, I finally unlocked Co-op. <laughs> that thing is hidden... Ten layers, ten chapters into this thing. Got it. Uh, it's that was the most frustrating part. It's like I got there. It's like, oh, you can do co-op. I'm like, the hell! I wish I could have done yeah. this way before. But yeah, now I've unlocked co-op, so now I can go and do co-op missions. It'll randomly select me with people, or I could have friends. But the fact that I can finally do co-op does, in fact make it feel like I've opened up a whole new section of the game. That's which it was supposed to do, yeah. I think, having it that late. Probably. But the fact that even though I got there, I still have to wait for my friends to get there. Oh, yeah, to be eligible. To be to eligible do to do that, to do co-op, yeah, that's is a pain. That is a pain. But, hey, I've, I've locked a new section of the game, and I am enjoying it still. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about you? Have you been playing more Borderlands? Oh, Borderlands. Uh, I have not touched Masters. I've played a little bit more Borderlands. Um, so kind of going back and cleaning up some uh, missions that I haven't done on the second planet. Uh, so that's where I'm at right now. Okay. I just went back to the Skyway uh, where we had that, that eye boss. Yeah. And I'm going cleaning up uh, missions um, and um, side stuff uh, in that area. Okay. Yeah, surprised you weren't doing that when we were co-oping. Uh, because we were co-oping... And I was like, you know what? Let's just do the main stuff. Okay. Like, I like to, like, if I'm going to do something, like, kind of wandery, I either want to do it by myself or have you on mic. Because uh, if yeah. I can't speak to you about what I'm going to do, then we're, like, both confused and we're like, ah, where are we going? Right. Oh, why are you on there? Oh, yeah. you, oh, you're doing that. Yeah, you would have figured it out eventually, but it's just easier for me to just do that by myself. Yeah, okay. Uh, Plus, the game is significantly easier. Slow load. <laughs> I ba- I barely die at all when I'm playing by myself, yeah. and every time we've played co-op, I've died so much. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I haven't played it since we co-oped. Um, I've hadn't had time. That's okay. Either uh, you're not missing much. Like I said, I only did one mission beyond you, right? And it was fine. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's why I'm just cleaning up side stuff. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we'll jump into that, and yeah. if they want to watch us play that, where can they do that? Twitch.tv slash Mediaboat. All right. Hey, that's a good way to plug it in, because hey, we're done. Yeah, so that's been it for video games, and that'll be it for the Mediaboat podcast. Thank you for watching and or listening this week. We are back next week on Wednesday night with another episode. If you want to see us live streaming on the internet... You can go to youtube.com and search Media Boat Podcast. There you'll find our page. 
Like, comment, subscribe, whatever you want to do. Click that bell. If you do so, that gives you notifications when we go live. So you'll never miss a show. If you want to hear us on an audio form instead, you can do that as well. Just search Media Boat Podcast, any of your podcasters of choice, and you'll find us. Download this episode and many, many more. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, Media Boat Podcast. Just search that and you'll find our page. Like and comment there. If you want to give us direct feedback, you can also email us, as I said earlier at the, on the show, at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. There you can ask us questions, give us feedback, uh, maybe even stuff that we'll read on the show. So absolutely, uh, email this there. Uh, lastly, uh, yeah, twitch.tv slash video games if you want to help with video games. Hit it. Media Boat if you want to watch us play video games. And then if you want to help us the in the most help if you want to give us the most help possible you can go to patreon.com slash media boat because there you can donate actual money moolah because it is not free to host a podcast i don't know if you know that so yeah consider donating to us we take as little as a dollar a month even that small little sliver of change can help us uh, make this show even better so please consider joining our patreon today and that'll be it uh, for this week's episode. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week where we might talk about some movies, we might talk about some more video games, we might even talk about some music. We will so, definitely have more TV as more TV, TV will continue through Good today place. and tomorrow. Season 4 premieres tomorrow on NBC, so we'll definitely be talking about the premiere of The Good Place. The Mass Singer premieres Mass tonight, Singer. so we'll be watching that. Premieres now, I think, as yeah. we speak. So yeah, things will be happening in TV as well. So yeah, get ready for another jam-packed show next week. In the meantime, we'll be gone. See ya. All right, we'll see you all next week. Thank you all for tuning in. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye.